0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Steps Audio Channel. We are very excited to share our content from Steps events to learn all about the latest trends in startups, digital media, fintech, future tech, and wellness in emerging markets. You can find us on Enagami, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure to subscribe to your favorite channel, and we hope you enjoy the content. I'm just looking at the names of the panelists that we're going to have today, and I don't think they need much of an introduction. Um, So I would like to invite them onto the stage to discuss what is quite a serious topic, um, but at the same time can be a lot of fun because for a lot of entrepreneurs, this is the dream. This is where you want to take your company and it's very interesting to hear the stories from our panelists today. Um, So let's start with, I I think they're busy checking their phones to see who's using Angami and who isn't, but Mr. Eli Habib. (laughs) Co-founder and CTO at Angami, welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's
0: our pleasure. Mr. Yusuf Salem, CFO at Swivel. You. Welcome, Yusuf. Thank you so much. And His Excellency, Dr. Nabil Koshak. Thank you. CEO and board member at Saudi Ventures Capital Company, also known as CVC. SVC, pardon me. Okay, yes. gentlemen, thank you very much for taking the time to be here with us today. It's
2: an honor, thank you.
0: It's always so much fun to be at this conference because there's so much energy, and personally, yeah, seeing see to
2: people, see people, to see people, I know, to see <laughs> thank people. Thank you for being this here. Is
1: amazing.
0: <laughs> um, so, Yusuf, I thought maybe we can start off with you because, sure. considering your background, you've worked in investment banking, so you're very familiar with the overall IPO landscape. Yep. Currently, you're at Swiffle and as we all know, you're going through that um, IPO process, but through a SPAC route. So yes. what can you tell the audience about the differences between IPOs and SPACs, and what are some of those pros and cons that they need to consider?
2: For sure. So, there are three fundamental advantages for a SPAC compared to an IPO. One is you get the capital certainty at least partially much earlier because unlike an IPO where you run through the entire regulatory and marketing process and then you only open the book towards the back end and only then you know how much capital you're going to get and how much valuation you're going to get. In the SPAC, you actually start with agreeing the business combination with a sponsor where you get definition over the valuation much earlier on and you also get the pipe which is the fully committed part of the deal much earlier and then you go through the full regulatory process, et cetera. So that certainty over valuation and capital quantum is much faster. Uh, second is, you also are working with a sponsor, so you're not going alone. So if, for example, like in the example of Swivel, we, the people in the U.S. don't necessarily have familiarity because we're not operational on the ground, we don't have buses in the U.S., they're not necessarily familiar with the brand, being able for to have, almost have a conduit for the sponsor to work with, especially in, case, in, kind of in our case where the sponsor is actually a strategic in the space so they can also add value. That's kind of a second, a second big advantage, and the third is in the SPAC, you're able to actually share a full financial projections, unlike an IPO, where you rely more on historical information plus some limited guidance, and the ability to share projections means that you can actually tell the story much more than you can do on an IPO. On the other hand, you have two main disadvantages. One is the sponsor promote, so effectively 20% of the SPAC is quote-unquote free money that the sponsor is getting without putting in cash that 20% of the SPAC translates, for example, into 6% of the company. That is diluting you as a company and shareholders without actual uh, cash coming in. And second is there is an element, especially now, of skepticism around SPACs in the market in general because of the number of pre-revenue companies and other speculative plays that have gone via SPACs. And that's why now when you're engaging with investors, if you're a SPAC, there is already this little bit of reluctance vis-à-vis being a more classic IPO.
0: So, would you agree when, because a lot of times we hear about companies preferring to go down the SPAC route versus an IPO because they consider it to be faster and maybe a cheaper way of raising raising funds or going public. Going through the process now, do you agree that this is a faster route? Because obviously there's a lot more, you know, generally you would say, fine, you don't have those applications to become the public-listed company because you're going through that merger and the SPAC is already listed, essentially. But how has your experience been so far with Swivel and do you agree with that? So
2: it is partially faster. It is faster to get to the first milestone, which is announcing the deal, getting certainty over valuation, getting certainty over part of the capital, getting the visibility, getting going on hiring talent, doing M&A, using the public currency. But the end-to-end process at the end is still going to take you close to kind of 9 to 12 months, which is not very different from an IPO timeline. So partially faster, but not the overall process. Cheaper, uh, again, yes or no. Uh, A subpart of it is is cheaper in terms of uh, certain elements of the kind of the process and the fees and the expenses can be less. But then, from a cash perspective, it can end up being a bit cheaper. But you obviously have the dilution of the sponsor, that 20% of the SPAC we talked about. So, from an overall value perspective, it's not necessarily cheaper as an overall value pot.
0: <laughs> Ellie is already nodding because he totally agrees.
1: <laughs> no, no, because you know I, I think there's a lot of things that says about what is a spark and whatever. Yes. A spark is neither cheaper. It's not cheaper and takes probably more time, and it's much more complicated post uh, Trump because the SEC put in much stricter rules, but they're great for us, right? I mean, those rules are allowed us to list when there are tons of companies who are not continuing the spark, uh, who are closing their IPOs, who are reverting back to private. So companies that, quote unquote, graduate right. from the colonoscopy of the SEC are you know, are good companies right now. Before, earlier on, it was kind of list, list. So, yeah it, we had different expectations before and but we did final, we finished this pack so we listed on 3 feb so it's been 20 days or plus plus or minus and we did go throughout all of it it's like the ups and downs and understanding all of it and dealing with it so i'm thankful to have been crossed all of that but what we know right now is not exactly what was before, right? So we're we're happy to be live, we're happy to be trading at a very good premium, and we're happy to be treated as, you know, now we're post, by we're not a spark anymore, we're a public company. And uh, what we've treated today is similar to any public company, and we're happy to be able to perform. But in terms of being cheaper or faster, I don't think either of those is correct. So it's
0: a bit of a myth. Let yeah. that be uh, <laughs> clear to the audience there as is well. A lot
1: of, there are pros that, Yusuf just said them, but those aren't pros.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Ali, I was actually going to ask the audience for a huge round of applause to congratulate you and the Angami team thank on you, your listing. You.
1: Thank you, thank you. I mean, in, in, in the Nasdaq speech, the last line, I don't remember it exactly, but we can't wait to clap for everyone that comes next. So that's exactly what I want to do.
0: <laughs> starts, I think, <laughs> with Swivel being on the panel. <laughs> Uh, what I loved most about that, you know, Ali, when that listing happened, and I think for everyone, our social media feeds were just Ali and his co founder and the Ongami team at the NASDAQ, ringing the bell and that moment, and it felt like it wasn't just Angami's moment, you know? It was for us yeah. all here, and that's, that was just so wonderful to it's see. a moment
2: of pride
1: for everyone.
0: A moment of pride, indeed.
1: I mean, I, I, mean, I whenever I think about it, I have goosebumps proof. <laughs> uh, just like that, I mean, I can't restrict myself, but, but I was very happy, you know, when I was walking over here, literally in step, especially yesterday, and people were just interrupting me to say, well, you don't know us, we know you, and just the need to tell you, we, you made us proud. And, and this was like, from all walks, right? I've met multiple nationalities. I think the whole point is like, you can make it. And you know, we started, we have everything. We, our story is kind of very non-traditional. The Angami started from money. We put, me and my co-founder, and then we took a loan from the bank. That is something that never happened. I don't think any startup, that is alive right now, took a loan from a bank and built a startup and got to IPO. Yeah. And we did not raise that much money, all in all, I think slightly over 25 million. So the whole point is that like you can you know, focus and build and get there, and it doesn't need to be that complicated. Just need to build, 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 and keep on building. And I'm, I'm happy to prove that it can be done. Hopefully others are gonna do way better and learn from what we did, the good and the bad. And we're open, we're open to learning. The ecosystem will not get better if we don't share the, 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 the ups and the downs, right? It's not just ups, it's not all uh, ringing bells.
0: And that's what we're here for as well. I would like to bring in Dr. Nabil uh, into the conversation because Ali, as you were mentioning earlier, you started off with a bank loan, but thanks to people like Dr. Nabil, for a lot of entrepreneurs now, they will have access to VC funding, to angel rounds, and that ecosystem has matured so much. If you're looking at the gentleman on the couch, if you're looking at all the exit stories that we've started to hear, including in Saudi Arabia, if you look at Jahez, VC backed, listed on the stock exchange,
3: yeah.
0: how do you perceive that as an investor?
3: So, so first of all, actually I would like to thank any, uh, step, or any conference organizers for putting me in a, in a panel with with our heroes. I think the, the, this positive and, and hope uh, for the whole region, actually, for startups and entrepreneurs, that if we are doing it in the MENA region, exits, uh, IPO, I can do it as an entrepreneur, uh, homegrown, headquartered here uh, across the MENA region. So I think that's very... Um, uh, interesting uh, inflection point in, in the in the ecosystem here and the journey of venture investment and startups. I think that's one one thing I really would love to thank all our heroes, entrepreneurs, founders of these great companies, that they managed not only to build uh, high-growth companies but also to get them into uh, um, uh, an interesting exit story, which is the IPO uh, journey. And as we have this discussion with the, with um, Eli and Yusuf. Um, few days ago uh, is that this is like it's like an, uh, uh, an exercise which is uh, one size fits all so definitely we will see different types kinds of exits uh, it depends on the market dynamics the the potential of the growth of the company post IPO post listing that's very very important so, uh, as we, uh, we saw, um, Fawri listed in the Egypt, Egypt uh, market, uh, stock market, Jah has the local also market in Saudi Arabia. That was a great story giving hope for all startups in, in the region, in different countries, but also the listing of, of startups actually uh, internationally in, in the stock exchange uh, globally. I think that gives uh, also options and variety of exit uh, options for for startups, and I think the potential growth of the company post listing is it's what's actually helping the design of their exit, where to be listed, and definitely we will have different kind of stories post listing. We'll have ups and downs, challenges. It's it's a new chapter of the journey of of the startup. The second thing is actually it's uh, we will be seeing also dual listing. We will be seeing uh, deleisting, <laughs> uh, but, but that's right. the, the journey. I think is going to be very, very interesting. But it's at least now I believe it's a fluctuation point where actually things will be uh, are giving hope for other startups to to follow their uh, their lead.
0: Absolutely. And do you think there is a very healthy pipeline? If you start looking at the hundreds of, because you've been investing in hundreds of startups across the MENA region, and do you think you're starting to see that maturity level being reached by these companies to actually go for that IPO, which is normally a bit larger in size and obviously takes a lot more effort?
3: Yeah. So I remember uh, attended an online session via Zoom, actually, where Eli and the chairman of the Capital Market Authority in Saudi Arabia, Mohammed Al-Guaiz, was on the same panel online and you can compare this like five years back. If you're talking about startups getting listed in the stock market, that's... like uh, (laughs) Unreal. Unreal. (laughs) So I I think even this, I would say, uh, rapid transformation and I think the pace of updating policies and procedures and and among different local capital markets to catch up on the potential of these startups, for their growth potential, for their economic impact, job creation, all these uh, uh, impact that can create, I think the tone is now different uh, among these ca- local uh, authorities handling the capital markets across the MENA region, and I'd, I believe this is a healthy competition where everybody wants to. Uh, this thing. that's why we we they work, work a lot actually at uh, the capital market in Saudi Arabia specifically for the nomo market, which is the parallel market. So the main market is like dividends driven here. It's actually the potential growth of the company post-listing is the key
0: and speaking of the capital markets in this region so when it comes to spacs i think they all had a look and realized wow we're we're losing out on some, on some incredible companies that are going through the spac process and obviously going to new york uh, either the nasdaq or new york stock exchange because those are the mature markets and so we've recently heard announcements by the egx in egypt uh, and by the abu dhabi stock exchange in abu dhabi obviously uh, that they're announcing uh, they they have actually already announced a spac framework so i'm just wondering, Yusuf, do you think that this is something because bearing in mind, we've, we've also already started new, hearing news about companies that are planning to set up a SPAC, yes. and that's excellent news for the entrepreneurs that are sitting here, because they will be looking for target companies, right? So do you think this will be of interest, or should companies be a bit more cautious because that market has not yet developed in, in our region, and this is, this will be the start?
2: No, it would definitely be of interest, and I think, I think, I think think first of all, it's phenomenal the speed at which the regulators in the region have reacted to this. Like, if we dig 10, 20 years back, if you have a new product, that have taken a very long time to come here, right? Now in no time, kind of the US has did it, a few countries have did it, and actually now Egypt and the UE are becoming among kind of the first in the world to kind of really push on that. So I think that speed from a regulatory perspective has been phenomenal. I think the quality of the sponsor routes, which are now going out both in Egypt and EDX to list are quite exceptional, so actually they're going to be really, really beneficial for the company. I think, as you said, it's great for the founders because now, in addition to the classic IPO, the SPAC on NASDAQ, the MA, the VC, you also have a regional SPAC route. It's great for capital market investors because now you have one more instrument that you can invest in publicly that gives you kind of this kind of warrant stocks etc so there's an upside it's great for sponsors sponsors of VCs of PEs etc because now they have one more vehicle to raise capital and deploy that capital so every instrument to provide diversification optionality and different opportunities in the market is always a welcome development I think it's going to do extremely well Egypt specifically has a huge upside because of the very high interest rates in the country which means SPACs are super attractive because even during that period when the cash is being held in trust for 9-12 9-12 months, okay. there's no real opportunity cost because people put money in the bank anyway. So even during that dead money period, which is the main disadvantage of SPACs in the US, in Egypt that would be absolutely not a problem. And even kind of in the GCC, the utilisation of cash is not generally 100%. So even if you kind of leave that cash in escrow, it's not. So actually, I think that's going to be kind of quite huge and quite rapid and, and really good in the region.
0: Spoken like a true investment banker, I must say. <laughs> I hope everyone was able to follow that. If not, just put your hands up, let us know what terminology was, oh. <laughs> we'll, explain, we'll explain it in a bit. Thank you very much. But just to, to stick with that, Yusuf, and before we go over to Ellie, because Ellie, I want to spend some time for the audience as well to really hear the story of Angami, which I think is of a lot of interest for, for all of us. Um, but just on the on the on the topic of SPACs, right? If there are any entrepreneurs and they're thinking about this is the type of route that that I want to go to in order to go public. What advice do you have for them? What do they look for in a SPAC partner? Because if you look at you know, your SPAC partner, yeah. essentially, there was an incredible fit, there's yeah. the ESG angle. So how do you go about yeah. deciding that's the yeah. right fit?
2: So, so maybe we're starting from your point. One is kind of the fit from a culture and from a mission perspective, right? So for us, it's kind of an ESG play, it was a sustainability all women's SPAC, so it made sense, right? That fit and that culture alignment is extremely important because one, it's the fit of the people you're working with, but it's also the messaging that you're sending to the market about who you are as a company, right? And the part and the SPAC that you will choose To partner with is a reflection of who you are, and the market will take it as a narrative for where you want to be and what your focus is. Second is who are the kind of the sponsors of that SPAC and what strategic value do they add, right? So beyond just kind of being a conduit and the vehicle to get public, do they have high-quality strategic investors in themselves that can either open doors for you in whatever sector you're in, or can connect you with other high-quality strategic and financial investors to to come in? Third is ultimately the SPAC is just one piece of the equation, but obviously you have the pipe, which is the very substantial piece of the equation.
0: to explain that in yes. the most simple terms you can imagine, yes. because yes. I think for a lot of people, they just hear pipe and it's very difficult to understand. Yeah, that, that, yet that. it's an important process. Not of, the investment of the SPAC.
3: backing uh, <laughs> technology. For, for sure. Change the dict- dictionary yeah. for you. <laughs> <the.
2: laughs> for sure. So, when you do a D-SPAC de- there's two things there's the actual SPAC, which is the listed entity which you're reversing in, which already has mm-hmm. capital in it. And then there are additional investors who say, you know what, I like the SPAC and the company, I like this combination that's happening. Let me put additional capital in. And that additional capital, that's coming in, in addition to being a, a significant quantum of capital, that's helpful, in addition to being certain capital that you know for a fact will come in, it's a very high vote of confidence in the sponsor, in the company, and in the valuation and the terms on which the deal are being done. So it's a massive vote of confidence. So It's very important to understand that the SPAC has access to investors and has credibility to be able to not only combine with you, but also source that third-party capital that will come in and revalidate and enforce how attractive the, the transaction is. Uh, one of maybe the Kind of the technical disadvantages of, of, of SPACs that we haven't talked about is that the redemptions concept, which is the concept that you're making it too complicated. It's getting yeah, I get You're
1: making getting it too
2: yes. Read the
1: room, your audience can't understand all of that. Follow him on Twitter or LinkedIn <laughs> and he'll explain that with the formulas. It's kind of complicated. Yeah. So, to
2: answer your question, it's important to get a SPAC where the capital is real, where the capital will stay and yep. the capital is, is committed, not people that will just kind of leave at the end of the SPAC. Mm-hmm.
0: And this is also, ladies and gentlemen, why you need a good CFO. There you <laughs> go, because that's the person that's... And to be honest, one thing I've noticed, yes, co-founders, you're going to be under a lot of stress or CEOs once you go through the IPO process. But many people underestimate what a critical role the CFO plays in this, because literally, when it comes to setting up the Department of the Finance and being able to meet the, the financial reporting, Forming a part of that prospectus, I know in a spec it's a little bit different, but if we go to traditional IPO, which is uh, what I know most, they're really under a lot of pressure to make the, make the IPO it, it's happen. Still, it's
1: still as, as... I mean, he's working his ass off, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> But smiling through it. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> it, it,
1: it, absolutely. Life is good. That's always.
0: <laughs> always. Eli. Yes. I've, <laughs> I've, I've really, um, I have really, ever since they said, you know, on the panel and Elise going to come. And I know we have probably all read the story of Angami. We've seen you're all over the place in terms of giving interviews. And you're very open about it as well for other entrepreneurs to learn about the journey as well as be inspired. I'm very curious to know, how did this journey start? Was this something you always had at the back of your mind? This is where one day I see myself and my co-founders and my company um, and what was that process really like?
1: Yeah, I mean, we don't have enough time to tell the story of Rami, but very <laughs> briefly, uh, we, we just did something because we wanted it. I mean, very honestly, we never thought we were doing something that was going to get to what it ended up being. We just wanted to genuinely to listen to music. It was 2010, we had to pirate we had to go to Paris Society to download music, to put them on the iPod. and So that did not make sense to me, right? And, and me, to me, and Eddie, my partner. And so we started figuring out how we can solve that problem because I was bored from my previous company, right? So I'm generally, I mean, I don't want to get bored. I, I had time at Starbucks. So I was thinking every day how we wanted to build it. And we started building Anghami. And at that time, you know, it's like, again, the, the VC concept was just starting, so we weren't aware that You could, you know, do a VC uh, and whatever the concept of VC wasn't there for us at least. Why? Because my previous companies, I had raised them the traditional way, right? And like you bootstrap, you take a loan, you whatever, you find money and you just, you know, put in profit, your profit into the business and you grow it. That's what I knew. Uh, and exactly now, is like people are, see, are hearing like from Youssef and from Dr. Navidak, like the opportunities of IPOs and SPACs. It's like w- when we wanted to figure out exit of Angami after years of working, and because we, w- we really were conservative uh, throughout so many different things, and we, we were, you know, we had options. We knew because when we signed the first deal with the first VC, we knew that we had to exit at one point in time. That was part of the, you know, uh, letter. So we realized exiting is like either we sell the company, which we, you know, we, we got offers over the years, but we weren't satisfied. Me and my partner weren't satisfied of selling. It's like we said, okay, that's like a kid, raising a kid. You don't raise the kid to sell it, send it away. You raise him to try to really put, make him as good as possible. So for us, we said, can we get another chance? Can we still do stuff? and it just happened that we our latest fundraise happened during COVID times literally this road show was supposed to start 15 or 12 march 2020 in london and then the the banker called us oh we can't travel anymore because we can't accept you there in the offices and stuff like that. It ended on Zoom, so we started meeting people on Zoom and, meet and that was the advantage that we hopped countries and continents quite fast, no traffic, but it was really bad you know, doing it via Zoom. It was the first time training to do a pitch on Zoom. It was like not exactly what I enjoyed, but along that line we, we just met the, the Spark sponsor and they were into media. And now we realized that we had an option to either you know, do a private raise, again, like we're doing it, or we could do the IPO, which, you know, we had to learn the, the terms, all of the terms that you didn't understand till now. We had, <laughs> yeah, we had to go through them and way more because we eventually started, uh, you know, we found that it's imp- interesting because they were into media, the sponsor is into media, we into media. And we realized that during COVID, I don't know whether a lot of you must have seen that. During COVID, when it was like really bad times to a lot, companies on the stock market were acquiring right, left, and center. They had something startups don't have, which was public currency. They had public currency that allowed them to issue stock and to acquire and well, while that, you know, because they were doing value, it was growing. The, the, their value was growing, but the stock was growing, and it made perfect sense. On the other hand, all startups that did not have cash on hand could not grow, right? Because they, they couldn't do that particular, uh, you know, exercise. And we needed, we realized that as Anghami, we needed to exit our investors, so the exit would be, if we do an IPO, then our investor will have liquidity, and we will have also public currency, which we're using right now to grow, to acquire. And today, we, an hour ago, I think, we uh, disclosed that we did something that the first... Time a music service did worldwide. I think we acquired content from a top artist, and we took it off every streaming service, including YouTube, which hasn't happened worldwide. We took Hamro Diab content is now on Angrami exclusively. Why? This is a content play for us because we uh, we will grow by increasing content creators. So what we want to do, we we already funded a label with Sony. So to attract creators and to create content, we're going to be doing much more content plays because we want creators to create content, whether music, whether podcasts, or anything. And to do that, you need money. You can't do that without putting money and without attracting artists to understand. And the value of media is not in likes, is not in views. That does not feed anyone. What feeds is money, right? So, to do that, we can't give content for free. You can't have content for free. People in the region think that music is supposed to be free. It can't be free. And attra- that's why we don't have enough artists creating music, because content is free. We have 70 million songs on Angami. Most of them are international music, English or wherever you want. But we have only 700,000 Arabic songs. We need to fund content creation. Hence one of the uh, things that we're doing right now with our stock, with our public equity, is literally funding and growing the content across the region. And that is part of why we did the SPAC, the IPO.
0: Fantastic. Well, all the best on the next chapter, because yes, it is a milestone, but that's only the start.
1: That's just a chapter. We we rang the bell on a Thursday, it was a weekend, and Tuesday I was at the office back working normally. (laughs) It's just another chapter.
0: Just a lot of congratulation messages coming in
1: yeah I was uh, still some that I haven't <laughs> replied to sorry
0: are there any warnings you have for any potential companies or entrepreneurs um, that are going to take their companies through this route from your learning and the things that because it took quite some time, as you already mentioned, longer than you could have thought about. And what I also notice in my line of work is no matter how much you tell candidates, be prepared, this is going to take time, it's going to take a lot of effort, and you are never prepared. If you think you are IPO ready, once you go to an IPO readiness exercise and you start looking at your risk management, your compliance, your finance function, there are things that people don't even consider that are critical for a successful listing. So what lessons can you give to People who were following uh, your I,
1: own I like. I like, uh, you know, Yusuf, I'm going to be speaking normal language for people <laughs> to understand, right? It's like, but what, what, what he said made, I mean, makes perfect sense. When we started doing that, when we went into the Spark process, it was, I think we announced it on 3 March 2021, uh, one, right? So roughly, it, it, it'll be a month, it'll be a year and a few days. So we are a startup. We're used to, you know, I'm the co-founder that makes a project plan that you're going to do this, you're going to do this, you're going to do this. This is how we're going to plan it. We're going to announce it on this date. We expect it because we planned it that we're going to finish the IPO process by that particular time. Obviously, all of our plans didn't work. Nor, I mean, I I, I can't speak on their behalf, but I don't think... Yeah, He's I nodding mean, a lot. Cool. Okay. Clearly, you have to, when, you, when we were told we should be ready and we need to be transparent and you have to have our whole house in order, and we really thought we have everything ready, it needs to be further ready and further ready. And we learned plenty of lessons. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, if anyone is interested, you can hook, uh, connect with me and I, I generally answer everybody within a week or so, but I answer. So, and you know, there are plenty of lessons, plenty of technical things that we'd not expect. But we learned and we come out of that, you know, raising our head and we're very happy where we are and what we learned. And the company will be forever different because of what we did. And the first time we, when we decided to list, a few days later, you know, we, I sat with Fadi Randour, Fadi Randour of Aramex, and he was the first one who did the listing. We were the, the second company at list, the first tech company, but the second Arab company. Fadi had listed 27 or 28 years ago, and he told me he listed for five years, and then he delisted and listed back in NASDAQ, in Dubai, but those five years in terms of what it taught the company, what it created in the structure, processes, compliance, made what Aramex became later, and the same process still exists to the day. So I'm actually, I think it was a pretty good exercise, but most, I mean, I don't know whether I should say that, but I think most companies aren't ready to do that. It's very complicated process, and you probably are better off not. I mean, it's not supposed to be a target. I mean, when we were just before preparation on the that Nasdaq day, uh, and you know, I was like they were telling us what what we should should do and how to ring and whatever, and the the woman just. Just thought that you we were saying me now you're going to be one of three thousand six hundred or whatever something of that sort, one of three thousand six hundred companies that are listed on the Nasdaq, and that number like caught me. I, I never knew how many companies are on the Nasdaq, but the end is like that few companies are on the stock market on the Nasdaq stock market tells you that that must be quite complicated to be there, and it you know I I think it I still remember that particular word and it's like, but. The value of being listed, I mean, we listed for a reason. We did not list because we want it, — it felt as a target. The target is to continue growing Rami and to get to the next chapter that we're working on right now. And that is what we're very happily engaged in right now.) Thank you.
0: So, Youssef, you're currently going through a very similar process um, at at Swivel, and again, phenomenal story. Do you want to just recap how that journey has been for you? Obviously, Swivel, five years since it started, already unicorn status, going to be the second (laughs) Arab tech listing on the NASDAQ, hopefully, you know, first two of many more to come. can you tell us about the swivel experience from that
2: perspective? Uh, absolutely. So swivel is a kind of a very simple story, right? Is you have average in average in emerging markets, 1.2 people are on every vehicle. We take that to 12. So we cut the number of vehicles on the road by 10. The majority of our customers on the younger side are females. So kind of women can go to work and go to school safely. And third is governments lose a ton of money on public transport that they can now redirect to education, healthcare, and RD. So basically building kind of a parallel mass transit system that allows kind of everyone, regardless of their income level, regardless of their gender regards to the location to get to where they need to be safely and, and reliably we do it in 115 cities in 18 countries we operate all across egypt kenya pakistan ue jordan saudi chile argentina brazil Japan and all over all over Europe, uh, we operate in all forms of mass transit. B 2 C, you can download the app and book. B 2 B, a university, a corporate, or school can book with us. Software as a service, a government agency can use our our system to run their own public transit network. We run everything from the Barcelona suburbs Who to the Munich airport. Who can repeat
1: the countries? <laughs> Imagine. <in
0: Madrid. laughs>
2: <laughs> so uh, we run everything from the Munich airport to the Barcelona suburbs to to kind of to the to the Tokyo kind of uh, suburbs, etc. Uh, on 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 swivel. The idea for us is creating kind of that ecosystem back to the point that he made about public currency. For us, that is the main motivation, right? Because for us, the vision is to create a holding company, an ecosystem that become an operating system for mass transit globally and allow every founder and every person who's trying to solve the problem anywhere in the world to roll up onto that platform, right? So whether we grow in organically, we give people kind of stock options. If we grow in organically, we basically acquire people, we give them shares in the top. So that kind of NASDAQ listed currency allows you to create this ecosystem where everyone around the world, so you're not only democratizing the transport, but you're democratizing the Creation of that transport by all the startups around the world.
0: So you used it as well as what you were saying, Ellie, earlier about this this currency to be able to do acquisitions and grow your company. And what do you think, you know, there, there are probably a lot of companies out there and I deal with them regularly that are wondering, is this the right time for me? And how do I know this is the right time to go to market? It's a very difficult question, uh, but I'd be keen to hear your views about how do you make that decision?
2: It's always the right time to be doing something, right? It's just a question of what that something is and what the best thing is, right? So if, if you, you always need to be growing and you always need more capital to grow, to become more aggressive, to take it to the next level, right? So the only. Question question is, do you care more about the public currency? Do you care about more public currency that you can give to people that you can distribute very widely? Uh, Is that going to get you there faster or is a private capital where you can just focus and execute, et cetera, is going to get you there faster? So you should definitely be out there regardless, should be raising capital regardless, should be growing super aggressively regardless. The only question is, is a private mode where the process is faster uh, or is a public process where the process is longer, but the public currency you get at the end of it is more rewarding, and that is what will depend on the stage of the company.
1: And clearly, because of the current existing market, there were a lot of Spark and IPOs who folded because the public market was quite red, right? I mean, I think right now we're better days, and you know, I'm thankful of our stock performance, yeah. But there were times whereby we all doubted whether it's the right time to go to market. But yeah. clearly, the market behaves like the market behaves. What will happen tomorrow with the Ukraine uh, that happened, I mean, war that started or seems that started earlier today is something
3: beyond all of us. And,
0: yes, please, Dr. Yeah, I
3: just want to add that, as I mean, uh, Elian and Yusuf mentioned, like, like exit is a, is a, or IPO is the is design process. So lots of subjectivity. So market conditions, market dynamics, the potential of the company to grow beyond listing is really crucial. We need also to remind ourselves that like in the US, which is a more mature market and venture investments and startups, it's 80 to 85% only goes, uh, uh, sorry, 80 to 85% it's M&A activities, mergers and acquisitions uh, versus actually listing. So these are very few companies that will go into this. We're proud that this is happening in, across the MENA region. But again, this timing, uh, what path for exiting is really crucial. Where to list. Uh, I mean, definitely we'll see more of international versus local. We'll see more on into dual listing, uh, international and local. And also, we'll we be seeing also delisting activities <laughs> like what happened with Aramex. But I think, uh, to make a story short, I think if I have one, one thing that I say to entrepreneurs, so carefully and wisely actually design your exit and listen more and more and more to uh, entrepreneurs that have been doing this in the, in the, across the MENA region because they have been through a lot during this journey. Listen also to your early stage backers, investors, <laughs> and also need to listen to the market conditions and market dynamics. So I think that actually helps you in designing a better way to exit and, and to, to, to do a listing. And actually to follow up on the listing post, the, the listing activities, which is very crucial and important and it's gonna be sometimes bumpy right? And I know uh, it's, so the agility and flexibility we've been having before listing, now it's more governance, risk, compliance, and investment bankers get involved and and, and public uh, companies. So I think that's very important to to just uh, uh, um, listen more and more to to the, uh, I would say 360, uh, uh, of alignment of interest also between the founders, the investors and, and the potential markets that they want to scale their company.
0: I think that's an excellent point, that alignment, because a lot of times many entrepreneurs might also be a little bit under pressure from the existing investors exactly. to look for that exit um, exactly. whereas they might as a company not be prepared so you need to make sure that exactly. again from the beginning have the right backing, the right support from the right VCs or right investors who will help to see that long term vision and, un- and are not purely driven by uh, making sure they get their money back as fast Uh, as they can. And
3: also, actually, these uh, uh, stories that happened in terms of IPOs, it's not only giving hope for startups and entrepreneurs and founders of companies, but I want to add also, it's giving... Value and, and and hope for early stage investors. So we're seeing now more engine investors being injected in the in, in in the market private uh, uh, market. Also, we're seeing early stage investors now uh, getting involved. So I think that's healthy for the whole ecosystem. Definitely, this this sector is about risk taking. So risks actually will continue to be there. But without uh, people with guts like Eli and Yusuf and, and, and all the entrepreneurs, the founders of Jahaz in Saudi, Fowry, uh, um, and all, all the entrepreneurs that actually managed to go into this, it's all about risk-taking and continuing actually adding value to the whole ecosystem.
1: If we're taking risks, it's because of our teams who have been working hard to get us to where we are. So I have to take a moment to really thank all the teams, all the supporters, all the investors, all the shareholders. <laughs> And everyone who worked with us, without them, wouldn't be here. I'm sure I'm I'm talking on behalf of of Yusuf, too. Uh, I'm sure without them, wouldn't be here. And customers also. Of course. (laughs) But I'm starting with them. Thank you.
0: Gentlemen, our time is up. Thank you so much for being here. I hope that you continue to inspire the next generation of MENA entrepreneurs and provide the much needed funding for these businesses and entrepreneurs. Thank you all very much for attending this panel. Thank you you very much. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. You can find our content on Enrami, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Follow us on social media at Step Conference and let's stay in touch.